Hello, everyone. Welcome to our online service today. I hope you're having a good week, and we appreciate you so much worshiping with us, and we hope uh, the message today is a blessing to you. Hey, before we get into the message, I want to remind you about a couple of things. Uh, we've got our BDO account open, and that's another option for you to be able to give. And thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving. Uh, again, we were able to support our missionaries this month, so keep being faithful in that so we can be a blessing, uh, not only here in our community, but around the world as well. And then also this coming week, we have our BCL classes starting, and it's not too late for you to sign up. You can find us on Facebook at Baptist College of Leadership. And then we've got classes in pastoral counseling and personal evangelism, Old Testament survey. And maybe you've been looking for something to do. Uh, maybe you'd like to dig deeper into God's Word. Uh, if you have any questions, message our church Facebook page or the BCL page. Uh, we'd love for you to join uh, one or more of those classes, okay? So today we're continuing in our series on the church is essential. And when you look at Acts, there are several uh, kind of stopping points where the there's a summation of what's happened. Acts chapter 2 and even last week where we were in Acts 9.31. You know, but the geographic locations follow Acts 1.8 as the gospel is spreading in Acts. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and now to the uttermost parts of the earth. The center of church activity and missions is beginning to shift now in Acts from Jerusalem to Antioch. And Paul will take more of an active role in the development of the church and the spreading of the gospel. And we're going to see that, a really beautiful example of that today. And although we saw last week that there is a time of peace and rest in Acts 9.31, this was not supposed to be a time of complacency for them. Uh, the church and the early believers, they had to keep going. And, and they did that. They seized the opportunity to repair, strengthen, and mend the sails of the ship after the storms that they had faced. They needed to do this because there were other storms that were coming. And let me remind us, COVID-19 is not the only or the last storm that we're going to face. There's going to be other trials and other things that we go through. That's why how we react right now and how we grow right now is so important because God has so much more planned for us beyond these six months or, or 2020 and what we're going through this year. He has so much more in store for us. But starting in Acts chapter 10, the gospel is going to accelerate and it's going to be open to the Gentiles. In the New Testament, we get this great picture uh, of the gospel spreading and unfolding as lives are changed and as believers grow and as not just the apostles, not just those early disciples, but new believers are put into place and new leaders are put into place. So one of the best examples of this is Paul and Timothy. And I want us to remember today, as we look into God's Word, this is our heritage. Um, this should be our goal as a church. What we see, this relationship between Paul and Timothy, and what's accomplished through both of them, this is really the goal of the church. This is what we want to focus on today. Warren Wiersbe says this, God changes His workmen, but His work goes on, and you and I are privileged to be a part of that work today. Even though, even though things change and people change, the gospel never changes. The Bible never changes. The message is always the same. You know, the gospel was spreading throughout the Roman Empire. This was the goal for the early church. But how did the early church accomplish this goal? 
Um, how can we accomplish the goal that the Lord has set out for us, the church, you and me? Uh, let's look at, at Paul's second letter to Timothy. And by looking at both of them, I want us to see what God's goal is for us and what God's goal, God's goal is for the church. But I read a recent survey, and I, I was thinking about, about this. I wonder if we realize and why we understand what the goal is for us as a church. So this survey was done, and the question was asked, what is your church's primary goal? Now, these were churches that wanted to grow. These were not churches that maybe we would consider dead, but maybe they knew they needed a change or they wanted a change and they wanted to grow. So here's what they said. 38% of those churches said, our goal is just to survive. Let me just say right now, that is not the goal of our church. The goal of our church is not just to survive. God doesn't want us only to survive. He wants us to thrive, okay? 22% said they wanted to provide a warm and caring fellowship. Now, that's part of koinonia that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, but is that the primary goal of what we want to do as a church? 21% said to win souls, and that's also something great. That's something we do. I think that's something we do well as a church. But also 11% said they wanted to influence community morals. And then... 8% said none of the above. And I think we're probably none of the above, actually. Um, there's maybe a combination of several of those things that we want to do. But I want you to remember Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. It says, And Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, the commission was to preach the gospel and to go and make disciples. So when you look at that word disciple in the Greek, it's mate um, teosate. It means a learner a pupil, but it also means an apprentice. So that's something a little bit different, right? We weren't commanded to produce immediate experts in Christianity. That doesn't happen, right? When our children were born, they didn't know how to do everything. We had to teach them and nurture them and care for them. It's the same way with baby Christians. Um, we want them to develop in an atmosphere within the church to not only be taught, but to put into practice what they are learning. It's OJT, it's on-the-job training. And so uh, I want to read a quote from Eddie Gibbs. He said, he said, discipleship is an apprenticeship rather than an academic way of learning. It is learning by doing. So we can get all the knowledge that we can from the Bible. We can know it front to back. We can know every verse and every doctrine. But if we don't put that into practice, what good does it really do in our church? And what good does it do for the rest of the world? We need to make sure that we realize this example of Paul and Timothy is a great example for us to focus on. Paul is teaching Timothy, but he's giving him practical things to do as well. He's trained him up as a pastor. And this is very evident in 2 Timothy 1. And in this passage, in this, when this book is written, we find Paul in Rome under house arrest and close to being martyred for the cause of Christ. We don't exactly know why, but it seems like almost everyone has left Paul except Luke. And these are dark times for Paul. So I want you to look at 2 Timothy today as a farewell, including some parting comments for Timothy um, on the leader and the discipler that God wanted him to be. You know, in the midst of uncertain times, Paul reminded Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7 that the Spirit of God does not make us timid. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. 
He's given us a spirit of power. He's given us a spirit of love and of self-control. This is what Timothy already had, but Timothy needed to be reminded about that because sometimes he got uh, depressed, sometimes he got scared, sometimes he got worried about leading others, and Paul reminded him that, hey, in you, you have power, and you have love, and you have self-control. Timothy already had everything he needed. It just needed to be stirred up within him. So you have not been given the spirit of fear. You've been given the spirit of power and love and self-control. That's true for every believer. So within our church, we want to remind you about that. We want to remind you about what the goal is for us as individual believers and for us as a church together. And so look with me today at, at, um, at some of these goals. Uh, uh, these goals are really important for us. And Paul was so sure of these things. He was so, it was so settled in his mind, even though he's discouraged, even though he maybe felt abandoned. Uh, maybe things you know, were not looking so great towards the end of his life from a physical standpoint. But I want to remind you about this other verse that Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.22. He says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day or until that day. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Uh, it's an old hymn as well. But Paul was so sure of what he believed. Nothing could move him. Nothing could shake him. So here was the marching orders that Jesus gave us, right? Preach the gospel. Teach sound doctrine. Grow in faith and love. Be on guard for the enemy. This process covers many things. Binding up people's wounds, meeting needs, being patient with people, and many more. So when we get to 2 Timothy 2, um, God wants us, the church, He wants us to know who we are. He doesn't want us to have an identity crisis. Paul presents seven pictures of a seasoned minister to a new young minister, but I think we can apply these to our lives, whether we're a minister by vocation or not. But here's seven goals for the church. Here's seven goals for the Christian that I want us to look at very quickly today. Number one, God wants us to be stewards. Look at 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We are stewards of the spiritual treasures that have been entrusted to us. We must invest this treasure in others. Not our own personal teaching, not our own personal opinion or our personal preference. It's always what does the Bible say. We have to be good stewards of the Bible. We have to learn it and know it. Then we have to teach it and apply it, help apply it in people's lives. Look at 1 Peter 4.10. We're going to look at several verses here. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's buried grace. So again, we're not the same. You're different from me. I'm different from you. Um, that's important in the church because if we were all the same, we wouldn't accomplish as much together. But as good stewards of God's varied grace, we need to make sure that we use the gifts that God has given to us. Look at me at Romans uh, 14, verse 12. It says, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. I, I am convinced that this is something we forget about as Christians. We kind of have like spiritual amnesia often in our lives. And we forget that everything that we do in our lives will be judged. Every thought, every word, every action will be judged someday. So it matters what you and I do. That's why we have to be good stewards of what God has given to us. And then 1 Timothy 3.13 says this, For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. See, this command is not just given to pastors to be a good steward. 
I, we had a deacons meeting yesterday, and, and I appreciate our deacons so much and their faithfulness and their godliness. And I appreciate so many faithful and godly people in our church. This is not just something that is for a pastor. All of us need to be good stewards. Whether you're a deacon or a DNA leader or, or whether you were just saved last week, all of us need to be good stewards. And we don't base our beliefs, that stewards, what we're talking about is being a good steward of God's word. We don't base our beliefs on popularity or education or we don't follow someone just because they're an eloquent speaker or they're a good speaker. We must continually dig deeper and deeper into the mind of God's word. We talked about that a few weeks ago. This is all by God's grace that helps us to correctly impart the word of God to uh, word of God to others. We have a responsibility to teach and to be taught, and we should be doing that in our church. That's one of our our goals that we should strive for. Number two, we should also be soldiers. Look at Second Timothy two verses three and four. It says, share in suffering. Remember, Paul is suffering. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Look, jump down to verse 11. The saying is trustworthy, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So we have to fight the good fight. We have to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. But even if we fail, hey, God never fails. He is always faithful, even if we are faithless. But God wants us to be faithful, right? That's the goal. That's what he wants for us. Paul often used military examples, probably because of the Roman Empire, and he knew that we are in a spiritual battle as well. So what does a good soldier do? If we look back at, at some of these, these verses that we just looked at, he endures hardship. Um, he avoids worldly entanglements. He magnifies Christ, his commanding officer. Look with me at Hebrews 2, verse 10. It says, For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Bringing many sons to glory. You've been enlisted into God's army. You've been saved. And I hope you've been saved. I hope you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And if you've received Him, if you've, that's been settled, if you know whom you've believed, uh, you've been enlisted into God's army. He's bringing many sons to glory. But there, it's not going to be easy. We're in a battle and we're in a fight. A good soldier also thinks of his fellow soldiers and then he trusts and obeys his commanding officer. We need to remember that we are in a fight. We don't need to let our guard down, especially during this time of COVID-19. We've got to fight the good fight. Number three, another goal that we have is to run the race as athletes. Look at 2 Timothy 2.5. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So Paul often pulls from Greek or Roman uh, traditions, especially Greek rules, and for competing, that's what he's talking about here, uh, like with the Olympics and things like that. So in order to compete in Greece, you had to be a citizen. Okay, You couldn't compete if you weren't a citizen. Um, you had to be in good standing in the community, but this was very important. You had to have strict adherence to the rules. Okay. Um, if you broke the rules, you were disqualified. The Greeks were very serious about that. So we need to remember as Christians that we need to know Christ as our Savior, right? Okay, that's settled in our lives. Uh, but we also need to be in good standing, but we also need to follow what God has taught us in His Word. Ephesians 5.15 says this, Look carefully then how you walk, 
not as unwise, but as wise. Again, it matters how you live your life. This is what Paul is trying to teach Timothy as a young leader who's um, kind of being raised up in the church, and, and now he's leading others. He needed to be a good example. You and I need to run our race with patience, with endurance, but we need to make sure that we're following God's word along the way. Then number four, another one of our goals is to be farmers. Did you realize you're a farmer as a Christian? Look at 2 Timothy 2, verses 6 and 7. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. This is something you and I need to understand. Uh, we are like a cultivated field that is irrigated and growing and producing fruit. So what should believers do? What is our goal as Christians? We should plant. We should sow, we should water, and we should harvest. Here's some things to remember about farmers. Farmers have to work. Look at Proverbs 24, verses 30 through 34. It says, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it, and I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. What is Proverbs trying to teach us here? It's trying to tell us that if we let our guard down, if we get lazy spiritually, and we don't till, till the soil like we need to, and we don't plant like we need to, look at the image here. Everything will be overgrown by thorns. The ground will be covered with nettles, and its stone wall has broken down. Moms and dads, let's not let this happen in our families. Let's not let this happen in our church, that the walls are just broken down and we don't take care of things like we need to. We need to have the attitude of a farmer, that the farmer works hard. If you don't work hard, destruction will come. And so we need to be doing the father's business. We need to make sure that we're planting, sowing, watering, and then harvesting. But farmers also need patience. Look with me at James 5, verse 7. It says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. There are seasons in planting, right? There are seasons in harvesting. You plant and the rains come and then harvest time comes. Some of you are, are, are wanting something so badly right now, but you need to wait for God's timing. Farmers are patient. And maybe God's asking, asking you to be a little more patient right now in your life. But look with me at number five. Here's another goal that we have. And this again, these are parting words that Paul is giving to Timothy. These, are so, these things are so important. They have such importance in Timothy's life and they can in your life and my life too. But we need to be workmen, okay? Look at uh, 2 Timothy 2, verses 14 through 18. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present your God as, to yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Hey, be careful what you say and be careful what you listen to. It can be deadly. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, uh, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection is already happening. happening. These are upsetting the faith of son. Some, hey, there can be false teaching that happens. 
And we need to be careful, and you need to be careful you're not listening to teaching from other churches and other denominations and other things that don't line up with our beliefs. Be careful what you listen to. Hey, Christians, be careful what you say. Make sure you're teaching the right things as well. But study to show yourself approved. That word study actually means work. Okay, it's hard work. We need to get into God's word. We should all be able to rightly divide the Bible. Hey, that's why we have Baptist College of Leadership. Um, that's why we offer um, those certificates in those, in, those, uh, in those courses of study, because we want you to get more into God's word. We want you to be able to rightly handle God's word. But let me go on to number six. I think number six is one of the most important ones. But we need to remember the goal is that we are a vessel that God can use. Look at me at verses 19 through 22. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are His. Aren't you so thankful that God knows you? He knows your name. He knows that you are His child. It says, And let everyone who names, of the, names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some of honorable use and some of dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So if you know the Lord, you should follow that list. And I'm not even going to take a lot of time to talk about that last verse. We could do a whole sermon on that last verse. But the church is described as this great house, okay? A foundation, again, is very important. Uh, the foundation is Jesus Christ. But there are vessels in this great house. Some are for honor, gold and silver. Some are for dishonor. Those are clay and wood. And, and I want you to think of, of true teaching versus false teaching. True teachers versus false teachers, okay? But I want to use this example. I want us to look at this picture here, the example of the crown jewels of England in the Tower of London. Um, I've had the privilege of visiting here. I've seen these in person, and they're incredible, okay? When you go into that room, uh, there's lots of security, right? Those, uh, I don't even know if there is really a value on these jewels and on these crowns, but when you go through this room and the pictures you're seeing are those crown jewels, when you see those in person, I mean, some of the jewels are like that. You know, they're so amazing. Uh, and, and all you see is gold and silver and diamonds and emeralds and rubies. I tell you what, the, I didn't see a clay pot in there, in that room and in, in where the crown jewels are. I, I didn't see like a back scratcher, you know, just a wooden back scratcher. Those kind of things were too common to be in that great room and, and that great vault. Uh, they were just too common. I don't know if you've ever heard this or know this, but the name Timothy means God-honoring. It means God-honoring. And I want to go to 1 Timothy 6. Again, Paul keeps reminding Timothy of these things. He says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Uh, Paul reminds Timothy, that he wants him to fight the good fight. He wants him to honor God in his life. So make sure you are a vessel that God can use. What kind of vessel does God use? He uses a vessel that's empty, that's clean, and that's available. That means we have to empty ourselves of ourselves. Where it's not my ambition, it's not my pride, it's not my will, but it's God's will that's done in my life. So you need to empty yourself so that He can fill you up. You need to be clean. Don't dirty yourself with sin and the things of this world. Be available so that God can use you. That's the kind of vessel that God wants to use. So can I ask you, are you empty? Are you clean? 
and are you available? Have you emptied yourself of you? Maybe you need to do that today. Maybe you've been worried about yourself and worried about your family, but maybe it's time to quit worrying about yourself and to think of God and to think of others. That's how we have true joy, right? I've used that acrostic before. Jesus, others, yourself. In order to have true joy, you need to put others first and you need to put God first, especially. But let's go to number seven as well. And Paul gives one more goal for Timothy. I think it's a good goal for us, and that's to be servants. In verse 24, it says this, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. What is this word? You know we've used this word before, but it's doulos. It's slave. It's servant. We are no longer slaves to sin, but we are slaves to God. So when we think about who we are in Christ, when we think about who we are as the church, when we think about what God wants for us, I want us to look at another picture, and it's something we use in our class 101, okay? And I want us to walk through this uh, in our membership class. It's like a target, okay? This is the target that we want to hit. We want to hit the bullseye of this, okay? And, and, and we want you to remember and remind ourselves how important the church is. Have you missed church? By the way, we're working very hard. We're hoping to have services by next month. I'll tell you more about that in the coming days. But we are very close to having some in-person church services. I don't know if we're going back to every week. um, But we want to have a church service very soon. I hope you've missed church, okay? Church is so important. And meeting together is so important. Encouraging each other. Teaching each other is so important. And we use this example of rings, of circles, and moving to the center like a target. We want to stay on target as a church. And as I've been saying for the last few weeks... I hope that the quarantine has shown us how important the church is and how important we are, uh, each one of us, to each other. We need to be more committed to the church than we ever have before. So I want us to look at the outside of the circle and look in very quickly. But we start out with the community, you know. How much of our community is unreached? For sure, probably over 80% of our community is unreached. And who do we have the the potential to reach. You have the potential to reach your community, your neighbors. Think about this. Our unemployment right now is 45% in the the Philippines right now. Hey, let us know if you need help. We don't want anybody in our church to go without. But there are so many points. My point is this. There are so many people that need help right now. There is such a great community that we can reach out to. We, the church, we need to be salt and light. We need to be reaching out to that community. Then we go to the next circle as a crowd. Okay, who have you made contact with? We've had Harvest Festival in last year. We did DVBS this year online. Uh, People that have visited our church, people that are watching online. We want you to know that if you're watching online, we want you to join with us. If you don't have a church home, if you've never really been a part of a church like ours and, and you want to experience that, We want you to join with us. And so that goes to number three. Next, we have a congregation. Those who are committed to attending more faithfully, uh, many have begun to give. Uh, Some of them have joined our church. Uh, But let's go on to number four, the fourth circle. That's the committed. Those are people that have joined the church. They are are giving. They're growing. uh, They're maybe now serving in ministry. But the target, what we want people to get to really is the core there, okay? These are leaders who are serving in various ministries. And by the way, that's not just the pastors. That's not just the staff. And it's not just the existing leaders that we have right now. I think this is a misconception that we have in churches sometimes. And this is why the church is essential, because we need you. 
You've been added to this church. Maybe you're a member of this church. You've been added to this church. Don't look at the leaders that we have right now and think, oh, that's all that the, that SBC needs. That's all that the church needs. No, we have so many more needs now in online uh, and our online ministry. We know more people that are going to volunteer for that and help lead in that. Uh, we do have staff that are doing that as well. But these are people that give their talent, their time, and their undivided loyalty and we want to keep going in that. But there's one more step that's really important in a church, and that, that's those who are commissioned. Those who do surrender to ministry. They become pastors and staff members. They become our missionaries, and we send them out. God is not finished with spreading the gospel around the world. Amen? We can't be, be uh, satisfied with what's happened before. We have to keep moving forward. So I want to encourage you with this today. Keep growing. Keep moving. And don't quit. Don't stop serving the Lord. This is what Paul is trying to encourage Timothy with. Even though it's difficult, even though it's hard, it's not easy serving the Lord. It's not easy for Paul. It wasn't easy for Timothy. It's not easy for you and me. But we need to not quit. Don't quit. Warren Wiersbe shares a story about a man who was shoveling snow in the winter in his driveway in, in the States. And two boys came up to him with snow shovels uh, over, over their shoulders. They said, can we shovel your snow, sir? hoping to make a little bit of money. They said, it's just 100 pesos, just $2. That's all we'll charge you. The man was puzzled. He says, can't you see I'm doing this myself? And one of the boys said, sure, we can see that. We get most of our business from people who are halfway through and feel like quitting. Have you ever felt like quitting? Have you wondered going through this quarantine, is it really worth it? Do I need to keep on going? Do I need to keep on serving? The answer is absolutely Yes. Uh, Dr. Raymond uh, Edmond said once to the students of Wheaton College in the United States, it's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit. Don't give up. Don't surrender. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. All those animals going on the ark, even the snail made it. You might feel like you're on pause. You may th seem like things uh, have not been moving very fast in your life, but please, Hear this encouragement today. Don't give up. Timothy had come far, but he still had a long way to go because Paul was passing off the scene. Timothy was now that, that new rising leader that was going to be raised up, and he would lead other leaders. Paul was saying to Timothy, don't quit. Don't quit. Follow these examples that we looked at today. They are our goal. We want you to grow stronger in the Lord, to keep moving to the center of that target, to that bullseye that God has for you. And that's different for all of us, but reach your full potential in Christ. So where are you at in your Christian life? Do you want to be a better steward? Is that a commitment that you need to make? Do you need to fight the good fight more faithfully? Maybe you've been kind of on pause in your life right now, and it's time to jump back in the battle. Okay? Do you need to get back in the race? Same kind of idea. Do you need to plant? to sow, to water, or to harvest. More people got saved this week. People in our church reached out to others and they got saved. We need to keep doing that. Do you need to be more passionate about the Word of God and dig deeper into God's Word? Can God use you as a vessel of honor right now? Or is it time to clean up some things in your life? Have you submitted yourself as a servant of the Lord? Maybe you need to grow in one of these areas. Maybe you need to move closer to that bullseye and to stay on target for what God has for you. I hope you know this today. God has a plan for your life. God loves you so much. And for anybody listening to this, uh, this message today, and maybe you don't attend our church, maybe this is your first time uh, hearing one of our services, God loves you so much that He gave His Son Jesus to die for your sins. 
And for all of us, he died to give us life and to give us life more abundantly. Do you need to receive Jesus Christ today? Do you know if your sins have been forgiven? Do you know that your home will be heaven someday when you die? All of us will die someday. Do you know that heaven is your home? You can call on God. You can ask him to forgive your sins and to cleanse you and to give you eternal life. Are you ready to surrender your life to him? Christian, are you ready to completely surrender to him today? Could you just bow your head and close your eyes with me? To anyone listening to this, that you need hope, you need the forgiveness of your sins, you need that in your life, you know that, and it's time to trust in Jesus alone for your salvation. You can call on God and say something like this, Lord, I know I'm a, sa- a sinner. I know you're the Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my life. I want you to be my Savior. I'm trusting in you alone for salvation. Please save me today. Christians, do you need to pray about one of these areas? Maybe you need to ask God to help you to be a better steward or to dig deeper in His Word or to run the race or to keep fighting. Or maybe you just need to call out to God and maybe you felt like quitting and it's time to just keep going. Can I pray for all of us today? Heavenly Father, we thank You for examples like Paul and Timothy in the Bible. Lord, thank You for encouraging us through your word, and even today, to, to keep going and, and not to quit. Lord, I pray for that person that maybe has been wondering, is it really worth it? And maybe they felt so alone and so isolated in their home. Help them to remember that you are just a prayer away. Help them to remember that, that we can do so many things, Lord, and through prayer and through giving and, and through serving and reaching out to our neighbors and planting and sowing and reaping. Lord, there's so much that we can do. Lord, as we've had this pause in our lives because of COVID-19, I pray that it, would, it wouldn't be for nothing, Lord. I pray that it would do something in us, that it would cause us to be more committed and help us to remember that the goal of the church is all these things that we looked at today, Lord, uh, to be better stewards, to be a good soldier, to be a farmer, to be a servant. Lord, however you've spoken to our hearts, help us to respond to you. And Lord, I pray that we would continue to encourage each other, that we would continue to be a blessing to each other. I pray that you continue to bless our church, protect our church, provide for our families and our church, bless our missionaries around the world. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, do me a favor today. Um, If you prayed to receive Christ as your Savior, uh, would you just type yes in the comments below? We want to talk to you about that, but we want to rejoice with you as well. And then if maybe God spoke to you about one of these seven areas today and and you want to make that commitment to just keep on going and keep on serving, would you just type in the comments below, I won't quit. I'm going to keep going, something like that. Uh, We want to know that you kind of made that decision in your life too and just as a testimony to others as well. Hey, don't forget to join us for BCL classes this week. You can still sign up today or this coming week. I hope you have a blessed week. We'll be giving you more news about upcoming in-person services. We're excited about that and we'll give you more news in the coming days. God bless you guys. We're praying for you. We love you and we'll see you soon.